Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. starting a brand new series on a topic that is never really preached on extensively, I feel, anyways. I've been in church my whole life. 94,000, yes, sir. uh, Sermons to 94,000. I've been in church my whole life. I I don't think I've ever heard an extensive teaching on the Trinity. Um, We're going to talk about the Trinity for the entire month of October. I've learned a lot about it. I've went to school and learned about it, Bible school, Christian school, but I don't think I've ever heard like a true sermon series on it. And that's just my personal experience. I don't know about you. So I found it pretty intriguing to want to dive into this and want to tackle this because honestly, this is a point of contention for a lot of the reason why we have so many denominations. I don't know if you realize this, but denominations differentiate over two or three things most of the time. You don't have Lutherans and Methodists and you almost can't tell the difference. What's the difference? It's usually about a small portion of one of their doctrines. And the doctrine of the Trinity is one of those things that people divide on. It's one of those things that people get frustrated with. It's one of those things that is actually quite hard to explain. It's quite hard to talk about because there is so much about God that is still a mystery. There is so much about God that is over our head. I mean, people are always asking all the time, if if God was there in the beginning, then where did he come from? <laughs> you know, like they ask this question. Well, you, you, you're, answer, you're trying to ask a question that you would need God's mind to understand. We don't have God's mind. We have our mind. We have the human mind. We're, we're limited in our understanding. We're limited in our function, but he being supreme is very different. So trying to contain God in a way that we can fully understand or trying to capture God in a way that we know everything about him would basically make him cease to be God. If you can capture all about God in your mind, that's not the God of the Bible. Because God is infinite. God is vast. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is the beginning and the end. Time is something he visits because he created it. It's not something he's bound by. Therefore, our understanding is disrupted every time we bring up things like the Trinity because it's hard to wrap our mind around what God is like and who God is when we're looking at it through human eyes. So what we're going to be doing is moving through the Trinity in forms that I think can help us identify them. So I chose the lion, the lamb, and the shepherd. That's the name of the series. 
the lion, the lamb, and the shepherd. I chose to personify God in these three different ways to signify the, the Trinity, the three persons in one that, we t- that are talked about in the scripture. So first off, I want to read Romans 11.33. This is a foundational scripture for this series. It's very short. You should memorize this. You should highlight this. Romans 11.33 says this. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable, someone say unsearchable, are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Understand something off right off the bat. His judgments are unsearchable. You will never be able to understand it. His ways are past finding out. You will never fully be able to grasp all of God's ways. Understand that. Let's read it again, Hebrews 11.33. Oh, the depth of his riches, both of wisdom and knowledge. It's so deep. It's so rich. It's so vast. It's so wide. There is no way you can comprehend how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. It is unsearchable. You will never be able to contain, to grasp, to understand the fullness of who God is. It's not possible. It's not possible. So to divide over something like this is so dumb. Because we're talking about something that you will never fully understand. Just like you will never fully understand the book of Revelation. It is so vast, so wide, so deep, so intricate, so allegorical, yet literal, yet not that it is impossible to fully understand and know it, and yet everyone divides over it. Why? When this is so deep, we'll never be able to dig far enough. So we might as well just learn it and have fun with it and just know ahead of time that we may not have all the answers here, but it's okay because he's still in control and that's why he's God and we're not I struggle with people who come out of Bible institutions who have major degrees and say yeah I know everything there is to know about the Bible I don't care how many times you've read it I don't care how many times you've studied the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic all of it You don't know everything. I've been studying this book my whole life. I'm learning every day. You know why? This is the only book on the planet that references itself 60,000 times. Tell me if you know all those references, please. No, no, sir. You don't know everything. If you did, hmm. Is your name Jesus? No, it's not. So here we go. You ready? The Bible teaches that the Father is God. The Bible teaches 
that Jesus is God. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is God. The Bible also teaches that there is only one God, which is where people find the problem with this issue. How can there be Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but one God? We can understand some facts about the relationship of the different persons of the Trinity to one another, but ultimately it is incomprehensible to the human mind. Understand this. It's incomprehensible to the human mind. However, this doesn't mean that the Trinity is not real, not true, because it's fully based on the teachings of the Bible. The Trinity is one God existing in three persons. This is not suggesting that there are three gods. Also keep in mind, the word Trinity is not found in the Bible. This is a word used to describe the Godhead, to describe this function. The word Trinity doesn't exist in scripture. It's just a term. What you have to understand though is the Trinity, the concept, the idea, the doctrine is taught all through scripture. It's just the name people gave it to help us understand a little bit. So before we read a story about this, let's pray. Well, thank you so much for your presence in this place. I thank you for always, always being faithful to come and be with us and dwell with us and abide with us. Lord, I pray your word will go forth this morning, that we would understand you, that we would know you deeper. I pray you give us clear minds. Open our heart this morning. And let it be your words that we hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 3. Yesterday at the Pursuit by the Bay, I spoke a little bit about this story. And there's probably no greater um, instance where we see the Trinity performing its function in this story. It's pretty remarkable. And we'll just get into it. Matthew chapter three, verse one, it says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Every tree which is not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds like what we just learned, right? A couple of weeks ago, we started on pills and pomegranates. We talked about the fruit. This is a tie-in to that when we talk about the Trinity. You'll see how it connects. 
Verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but it is he who coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the first instance we see the Holy Spirit mentioned in Scripture pretty interesting and termed the Holy Spirit as we know it we see in Old Testament many 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 situations where it talks about the Spirit of God all the time the Spirit of God came upon this person the Spirit of God moved here the Spirit of God did this this is the first time where we see the term Holy Spirit that we recognize verse 13 then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him and John tried to prevent him saying I need to be baptized by you and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. So there's the sun, right? The heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God. There's the Holy Spirit. And alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, and who I am well pleased. That's the Father. In one moment, all of these people encountered the Trinity. In one moment, everyone there encountered the fullness of God. Can't imagine what that felt like. Because they heard it. They felt it. They saw it. Everything you can imagine. This is incredible. The Bible says that the spirit descended like a dove and they saw it and it rested on Jesus and there was light upon him. They saw a physical manifestation of the spirit of God. They saw God's physical manifestation of himself in his son Jesus. And they heard the audible voice of God all at the same time. This is powerful. This is the Trinity. This is God three in one happening in front of their eyes. This is how God chose to reveal himself. I hope you get the significance of that because in the Old Testament, God never showed up like this. He showed up in spurts. When God showed up as God the Father, he was mean. When God showed up as the son, it was usually very private, one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, Gideon was one of those guys who encountered Jesus, right? They called that the Christophany that happened before Christ came to the earth in physical form. These are small instances where things change and things happen. The Spirit of God would do amazing things at times, but always segmented, always in and out of people's lives, always in spurts, never here we are, and we're not leaving. This was a holy invasion. This was the moment that transformed everything. Because all of a sudden, they encounter the realness of the entirety of the fullness of God. They saw it all. I hope you get this this morning. I really do. 
In John 10, 30, it says, I and my Father are one. Jesus said something like this over and over and over again to help people understand that he and his Father are the same, yet different. You see the struggle? How can God be there and here? How can God be spirit and body? How can God be on the cross and in heaven turning his back on his son because he can't look upon sin? How can he, how can he be doing that at the same time? Anybody ever thought about this stuff or is it just me? How does God differentiate himself like that to where I'm just going to send my son and he's going to be my representation, but he is also God. Pretty remarkable thoughts if you think about it. Because unless you do some real digging, there's no clear answer. But let me throw this at you. What are you? Think about it for a second. You have a body, you have a shell. This is what makes you a homo sapien. That's it. Your body doesn't make you you. What makes you you? Your soul as the scripture teaches us that you have a body, a soul, and you have a what? A spirit. In fact, the scripture shows us that the word of God exists to separate your soul from your spirit. You are a triune being. You are three in one. You are physical, you are emotional, and you're spiritual. And understand that emotion and spirit are opposite. People get them confused all the time. That's why you have a lot of dramatic Christians causing dramatic problems. Because they're more in tune with their flesh than they are with their spirit. It's just the truth. You are a triune being. You are three in one. You have a body, a soul, and a spirit. What encounters God? Which part of you? All of you. Because he created you. Your physical body can be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Your emotional condition can be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Your spiritual condition can be transformed by the Holy Spirit. All of you encounters God. All of you should be surrendered to God. This is where we get hung up because some of us will surrender part of us. And we look real good doing it. We'll surrender the outward representation of our faith 
and not surrender the inward struggle. Because we still want to hold on to our stuff. And no one ever sees it. Because outwardly, we can represent who we belong to. Inwardly, we're holding back from who we belong to. Too heavy? What makes us human? We learned this a couple weeks ago. What makes us human? Do you remember? We talked about the fruit of the spirit. And right before it lists the fruit of the spirit, it lists the what? Lust of the flesh. What makes us human? Our flesh, not this. This is just the shell. This is just what's carrying us around. What makes us human? Our sinful nature is what makes us human. It's what the scripture teaches us. It's what we learn. Our flesh is not our physical flesh. It's our soulful flesh. It's our mind, our will, our emotions. The desires that we have that are opposed to the truth of God's word. That is our flesh. That's what makes us human. This is dirt. The Bible says from the dirt we came to the dirt we will return. This is just dirt. I'm just dirtier than you because I'm brown. Why are you laughing at that? I'm browner. But only on the outside, just so you know. I turn into a white girl in the fall at Starbucks, just saying. You don't even know. Gilbert walked in last week with the, the wrong order from Starbucks. He's like, ah, they gave us the wrong thing. I said, what is it? He said, it's an apple crisp chicken espresso. I said, bro, that's mine right there. <laughs> that's what I like to drink. You don't even know. It's real. You should follow me someday. <laughs> our sinful nature, our flesh, our mind, will, and emotions is what makes us human. What makes us spiritual is the breath of God inside us. And it is different from how we feel. And our culture is chasing feelings when we should be chasing his spirit because that's the only thing that is going to edify our spirit. It's the only thing that is going to breathe life into us again. It's the only thing spirit recognizes spirit. This is why Jesus came and he said, one day everyone's gonna worship and they will worship in spirit and in truth. So now we have the Holy Spirit taking on a likeness that is hard to describe. I wrestled with this, this topic for a long time, to be honest with you. To be honest, I look at the shepherd and I'm like, oh yeah, Jesus is the shepherd. But Jesus is also the lamb. But then in scripture, he's also the lion. I'm like, wait a minute. And I'm like, okay, well, which one's the Holy Spirit? Oh, that, that's... That's the shepherd for sure, because the Bible says that the, the, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. 
He's our protector. He, wait, but, but God is also the good father who's a shepherd. And he's also the lion of the tribe of Jude. What, what is happening here? And I started realizing why we can't differentiate. Because the scripture teaches us that God is all those things, that Jesus is all those things, that the Holy Spirit is all those things. That's why they are three in one, because they are all the same yet different. I don't know. So I'm sitting there going, dang, it's deep, it's rich, it's wide, it's vast, and I'm just here to learn more. Let's go to Revelation 5. I'm, I, I wanted to just like mess with your mind early on. That, that was my goal. Because in the coming weeks, we've got three more of these. I'm going to talk specifically about the lamb, the lion, and the shepherd individually. But this one is just kind of like the setup to get you there. And so I wanted to just mess with your mind. I wanted to mess with your brain. I wanted to dump a lot on you. So I'm going to read you something in Revelation. Because remember I told you Revelation earlier, we don't all understand this very interesting, very intricate, all that good stuff. But we're going to go there because it talks about Trinity in a very strange way. You ready? Nobody's ready. Nobody's ready. Okay. Revelations 5 says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven, note that, no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth, that's a whole other topic for another day, was able to open the scroll or look at it. This is powerful. So first of all, let's stop here. You've got some being sitting on the throne. Who'd that be? Verse four, this is John, by the way. This is John the Revelator writing this and he's seeing this. God is showing him this and he starts saying, so I wept much. John is crying about this because someone needs to open these scrolls. Someone should be worthy enough. Someone should be blameless. Someone should be perfect enough in heaven for sure. The earth, maybe under the earth, no way. Different story. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. No one could even look at it. You had to be pure and perfect and holy to look at this thing. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. Verse six, and I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb who was worthy. The lamb was worthy. A lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes. This is a deformed lamb. This one is the worthy one. 
having seven horns and seven eyes, which are, here we go, the seven spirits of God. Sent out into all the earth. Anybody, anybody ever read that before? That's a fun one. That's a topic. We're going to get into it. Just stick with me during this series. We're going to get into it. What do you mean God has seven spirits? What the scripture says. Now you're going, what? Right? I love this. Verse seven. Then he came out and took the scroll of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So, wait a minute. The lamb came and took the scroll from the other guy that was sitting on the throne. Verse eight. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense. So these four living creatures, who by the way, were covered in eyeballs. If you ever go look up these creatures, they're very crazy, very scary. They were covered in head to toe eyeballs, just all over the, all over the place. Body, their wings, pretty wild. They're also harp playing creatures who carry bowls. And they don't have chorizo in them bowls. It has incense of some kind. I don't understand what, what kind of incense. But he tells us that this incense is the prayers. These creatures are carrying the prayers of the saints. So you might think every time I pray, what difference does it make? They're capturing every prayer. They're capturing every thought. They're capturing every concern. They're capturing every heartache. They're capturing every pain. You might be in your closet going, why, why, why? God is capturing. There's these creatures. They got all their minds because they see your prayers everywhere. I don't know. It's wild to me. Oh, and then they're singing creatures because they're singing a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And you have redeemed us to God by your blood. So there's the differentiation again. They're talking to Jesus. They're talking to the Lamb, saying, you've redeemed us to God the Father. So even in heaven, they're seeing the difference. Then he, over here, you got the seven spirits of God. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Now that's a whole nother topic. I'm just saying, I'm going to mark out the spot by Chapman Ranch where there's water. That's my spot, just so you know. When I reign on the earth, so I want, that's where I'm going. That's where the, the cows are. So I want the beef. Verse 11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now, I don't know what kind of Bible math that is. There's a lot. There was a lot of angels. 10,000. Who can do that? 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. I think John was just like, bro, that's a lot. Just write thousands of thousands. Who's going? Who's going? Who's going to care? At this point, all the stuff we see, who's going to care? Saying with a loud voice. Now, all these thousands of thousands are saying with a loud voice, "Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, 
to receive the power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Bro, this is crazy. You know, we sing that song, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Like, I'm not singing that no more. Not unless there's thousands and thousands and ten thousands with me. Because that's what the scripture tells us is happening. Just saying. We sing it like it's cute. <laughs> this, this is scary. All these ten thousands on thousands all have eyeballs all over them too. Like this is crazy. I'm just saying, when I read the Bible, like I see, like this is what it was like. Verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea. Now even the fish are singing. Where's Nemo? And all that are in them, they're babies too. I heard saying, John must have been tripping on something, man. I don't know what he had. Like, what did they give this guy while he was in prison? He is literally saying everything, even the unborn fish of the sea are saying blessings and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. This is too much. This is just too much. I read this and I, I just get like, I get overwhelmed thinking about what John saw. I read this and I'm like, God, there is just no way I'm going to question you. There's just no way. There's no way I'm going to doubt you anymore. Somebody asked me one day, they said, how can you be calm right now? I said, what do I got to be worried about? This is so small. I mean, look at this. What I'm going through is like, I ain't got nothing to be worried about, nothing to be concerned about, nothing to be scared about. Whatever comes may come. I'm in God's hands no matter what. Verse 14. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. I gotta stop there. I read this and I start asking a few questions. Number one, the one I always ask, why does this matter? Why does this matter for us? Like, this is cool. So what? Why does this matter? Number two, what do I do with this? What is my response? So studying the Trinity, I feel, is as difficult as it is. I think it's so, I don't know the word. I don't want to say liberating because it's, it's not just that. I don't even think empowering is the right word. But it's more of solidifying, I guess, my trust in him. 
because I study this and I start to think, and he wants to know me. He wants to talk to me. Like, look at this. Look at all that's in heaven. Look at all that's going on. Look at the worship he's receiving there. But he wants my worship? And I start realizing the reason this is important is because when he views us, it's like all of this happened to rescue us. The lamb is worthy because he stepped in so that he could rescue us. The lamb is worthy. He was slain because of my sin. And he is now the redeemer because of my sin. So he did all of this just so he could talk to me. He did all of this just so that I could hear him. Just so I could feel him. Just so I can know his love. Why does this matter? Why, why, does the, why is the Trinity important? Because he's basically saying, I built this whole structure. I created all of this. I fashioned myself in a way that can minister to every part of who you are. God in his fullness can minister to every part of who you are because you are built like him. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then they said, let us make man in our image. That word us is a plural form of God. Elohim is the Hebrew word. It didn't say, let me make man in my image. It said, let us make man in our image. We are fashioned, imaged like our creator. Everything about us. Therefore, whatever you are dealing with, whatever you are going through, you have to surrender it because he cares for you. And only he can minister to every part of who you are. Let's stand. My prayer is that as we go through this series, that we all learn not just the facts, the, the truth of it, the information, but we learn to listen to him. We learn to trust him more. We learn to hear his voice. My prayer is that we learn that he cares so deeply about us, that he has created all of heaven and earth to surround us. I just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for every person in this room, for your presence has already gone before us. I pray for our minds as they are enlightened by your word. 
that we become solidified in our faith, that we become solidified in the knowledge of the fact that you have done all of this just to be with us, just to love on us, just to speak to us. Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray that this week, as we go throughout our week, that we remind ourselves that all that you are is available to us at all times. I pray that we surrender in every way, shape, and form. We surrender our emotions. We surrender our physical nature. We surrender our spiritual nature. And that you can have it all. I thank you for that. And I believe you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.